0: Welcome to Liberty Station. I'm Bryce Eddy in uh, solo hosting for Rob again while he is um, uh, preparing for this Israel trip. And we've got a uh, tough thing to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on in um, Texas with the uh, active shooter situation um, and also... um, you know, the, the issues that are surrounding that a little bit. But, but before we do, I'm going to read um, something that um, Pastor Rob McCoy wrote that I think is really wise. and And it's this. Care for the families, honor the victims, no need to explore the hidden motive of the shooter because it's just plain evil, and never say his name again. Don't speak of this horror as a record, because records tend to be goals for other evildoers to break. Finally, don't promote your political agenda until all the children are buried, their families comforted and cared for, and their community is strong enough to move forward. Um, What Rob says is that's what Thousand Oaks needed after the mass shooting incident here at the borderline, and that's what he wishes for the good people of Uvalde, Texas. So... I think those are really wise words, but uh, with that, um, we've got uh, Jorge Ventura on, who's a friend of our show, a friend of our church, and just a awesome guy who's been on the ground there in Texas for um, you know the last week uh, you know since the shooting itself, and wanted to talk to Jorge about uh, his perspective and kind of what's going on there and uh, and that's it. so anyway, uh, please welcome Jorge Ventura.
1: Bryce, it's good to be with you. What's actually interesting as well, Bryce, I was in—I was in a student journalist in college when I covered the borderline shooting as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know what? I'd forgotten that. So yeah, you've—you've you've got um, you know kind of a long and lengthy history with these things. But um, you know, tell us about uh, kind of what's what's gone on on the ground and what your perspective is and and what you've what you've seen so far.
1: You know, Bryce, for us it was really interesting because I was in Eagle Pass, Texas, which is about an hour away from Uvalde, and I was originally there for, it. we scheduled a five-day trip, um, because we were there to cover cover the end of Title 42, so we were just there for border reporting, we were covering the illegal crossings, we were also spending time in Mexico in Pedas Negras, and on the day of the shooting, I was actually in Mexico, we were interviewing migrants that were crossing illegally who said we didn't care whether Title 42 stayed or not, and you know, we, as we were there, around 1 or 2 p.m. Texas time, we started getting reports that a Border Patrol agent chased an illegal immigrant and that the immigrant crashed his car and that he was armed and he jumped into a school. Now, that obviously was not true, but information was flowing so fast. I mean, that's how quickly things were, were kind of making way to was. So I got back with my team back to the U.S. side and from Uvalde, I mean, from Eagle Pass, we drove straight to the Uvalde. It took us one hour to get there. As soon as we arrived on the scene, it was about four or five p.m. FBI just arrived when we when we arrived there. We actually, in the first hour, I spoke to a key witness, and we were one of the first people to report that when Ramos crashed his car, Ramos actually jumped out of the truck, and there was two employees from a funeral home down the street of the school that that came out due to the loud commotion. And Ramos, uh, the shooter, sorry, I don't want to say his name, sh- then started shooting uh, rounds towards those employees. So we were actually one of the first. Uh, to report that according to our key witness. The key witness also said that when he first heard the gunshots, so when the shooter shoots his grandma, the witness went outside to the streets, notices the shooter in his truck drive down the street very, very erratically, and then crashed his car. As soon as uh, the shooter started shooting at the funeral, that's when the witness that I spoke to ran back to his house and told his family, we have a shooter on the loose, we have a shooter on the loose. Um, that first day, Bryce, was very hectic because the information was flowing so fast we didn't know what to believe or not. Um, for the majority of parents, this is the scary part, they did not know whether their child was deceased or missing till about 1 or 2 in the morning. I mean, could you imagine that feeling? I spoke to an uncle um, about two hours just in the ground. We spoke to an uncle who told me his nephew was 10 years old, was across the classroom, witnessed the teacher get shot and killed, and then witnessed his best friend get shot in the face. We had a source in the hospital, Bryce. This is the part that always gets me— they said that these bodies were arriving at the hospital so unrecognizable to the point that if they didn't do dna testing they could not get an id that to me broke my heart how gruesome this was but but that the first day Bryce. it wasn't until one or two in the morning parents were waiting outside the civic center where they barely found out that their that their children were uh deceased the very next day um the community held a very powerful vigil there were pastors all across Texas that drove down to pray for the community, mourn, grieve. So we were we were actually on the ground covering that. That's uh, Senator Ted Cruz arrived as well with Governor Greg Abbott. Um, and what's also interesting about the vigil, Pete uh, uh, Bryce, was that I was actually a couple feet away from Uvalde uh, police chief of the school district. His name, his name is Pete Aragonde. Now, at that time, we didn't know what Pete's role was uh, in that situation. 24 hours later, we find out that Pete made the decision to tell the officers to stand down. Um, So a couple of things that I kind of want to clear up. Um, One day after the shooting, Texas DPS puts out a statement saying, when When the shooter arrived at school, he engaged the campus resource officer. That was what they told us. 24 hours later, Texas DPS had to retract that statement, and then that never happened. So right off the bat, there was a huge mistrust with the community and law enforcement of why would they lie about such a key detail Then we started poking more holes and looking more into our investigations and we found out that Uvalde Police Department, according to their school district uh, training documents, violated their own protocols when dealing with an active shooter inside a school. Now, this is what I mean. When there's an active shooter inside a school, according to their own protocols and their own guidelines, there is no time to wait for backup. You have to address and neutralize the shooter as soon as possible because you have children involved. And, And according to their own guidelines, Time is so important that let's say, for example, let's say, Bryce, I'm a police officer, I arrive on the scene. If I see a child who's been shot and needs help, I can't even attend to the child until the shooter is neutralized. That's how important it is. I can't even wait for backup. So you've police department violated their own protocols by telling the 19 police officers in the hallway to stand down, which is also eerie. I want the audience to know this. Between 12.03 to 12.46, 43 minutes, 901 dispatchers fielded numerous calls of kids inside the classroom begging for police to come help begging while this is happening you had law, you have parents fighting law enforcement to go into school and save their own kids and begging law enforcement to neutralize a shooter this um we have reports and witnesses that the, this this was about 40 minutes of parents and police officers having to standoff. it got to a point where so there was a parents there was a group of parents that, that actually huddled together And we're game planning to break into the school. There was a mother, her name is Angelie Rose Gomez, who was 40 miles away from the shooting, arrives to the shooting, begs police officers to do something. She gets put in handcuffs. She's then freed from the handcuffs. Angelie then jumps the gate, saves her two kids. There was an off-duty Border Patrol agent who was 40 miles away getting a haircut when his wife called him. Um, and then as soon as his wife called him, he basically told the barber what was happening. The barber said, hey, man, take my shotgun. That agent takes that shotgun, goes into the school, saves his kids, and saves the other kids. What, what, what happened here, Bryce, was um, the law enforcement was told to stand down, which violated their own protocols. And they, it's not a barricaded situation where, where we're talking about children. There was a border tactical team, a border tactical team. So it's like the elite of the leader of the Border Patrol. They arrived at the shooting. They were told to stand down. That border tactical team, Bryce. What's fascinating is they got so frustrated with the stand down orders, they disobeyed the orders from the on commander scene and went into the classroom anyway. And they neutralized the shooter. It was the border tactical team. Uh, but now, as as more information that were that were coming out, Bryce, I I don't know why law enforcement decided to lie to the public and there was a lot of holes on the on the stories they put out. Now, look, this is not. I don't want anyone to to, to look at it and say, oh, this is anti law enforcement. This, this is not the case at all. There were plenty of agents and law enforcement that day that saved kids and teachers. Yes, kids and teachers get saved and evacuated. But when we're talking about those particular 19 kids and those two teachers, they filled in their protocols uh, with the shooter inside. And like I said, Bryce, 43 minutes, nine-one dispatchers fielded calls from kids inside begging to come in there.
0: Wow, um, man, that's putting like a just an anxious feeling in my heart. Just just you recounting that, I I can't imagine, uh, you know, being a parent in that situation. Um, unbelievable. Well, um, okay, so you know, w- with these things, you know, as you can imagine, um, immediately, uh, you know, every pundit on the planet jumps in. Um, you know, everybody, you know, tries to strike while the iron is hot with very limited information. And you do have to have some of the dust clear and some of this stuff to settle to really understand what happened. Unless you're like in the situation that you're in, but even you're describing, you know, how much confusion there was initially. Um, but as some of that stuff started to come out, you know, of course, uh, you know, I think I think, you know, at it, it Covered Six, you know, our firm. Uh, we were birthed out of the active shooter, um, uh, you know, Virginia Tech situation. That was the whole reason that Chris Dunn founded Covered Six was to deal with those kind of threats and start to train people for those and start to train departments um, in those responses. And time is so critical. Um, the the fact that they stood down, where you know they're hearing gunshots and holding back parents and other fr- first responders, is mind boggling.
1: And and that's one thing that we try to highlight, uh, Bryce, is that, is, that, is that time is so important that according to their own guidelines, they, they didn't follow any of their protocols. It even says in their guidelines, if you're not willing to risk your life for those kids, then this career field isn't meant for you. And and that, that's just the truth. And, I, and, and so right now we're trying to hold uh, those uh, law enforcement uh, officers who were, were responsible for that certain situation accountable. The police chief who made that call, P.R. uh in the past two or three days, he has stopped cooperating with the Texas Rangers investigation. I think that's a huge red flag. Um, yeah. Also, I think it's another key detail for the audience to know that P. Adande yesterday, just yesterday, was sworn in as city council. They actually had to do it behind closed doors because the public was so outraged they had to do it behind closed doors so he's now swearing as a city council member
0: wow okay uh yeah we're going to uh i, I want to stay close to you on on this one um so as you you know get more details as these things unfold um you know let's uh, let's make sure that we're talking because um i know that there's going to be a lot of lies that are told surrounding this thing to you know, try to try to protect and and shield the bad actors in this. And look, we we back the blue, um, you know, Liberty Station backs the blue. um, You know, we we believe in our, uh, you know, law enforcement officers. um, But, you know, when they are failing us, they need to be held accountable. And oftentimes it's the leadership, not individual officers that are failing and I say that from, you know, tactical standpoints, but, you know, but also just uh, new protocols. Um, there's a movement here, and this is a tidbit that I think our audience will will find alarming, but there is a massive change in law enforcement going on right now with these things, and they've actually coined a term, um, and I believe it's called now tactical patience. And, uh, and so there's uh, what I believe certain infections that are starting to go into law enforcement where they are, uh, they've changed their hiring practices as to who they're hiring and they don't have the expectation or the mentality of warriors anymore. And in a situation like that, you know, whether it's a, a, a you know, first responder uh, going into a fire or a fire fight, you know, time is of the essence, and you know, children could have been saved. You know, had they not, you know, delayed by five minutes—forget forty-three minutes.
1: Exactly right. I think I think that's a, that's a fantastic point. Um, and I also want to you know remind folks, you know, the city of Yuba, it's a town of sixteen thousand people, so it's small, it's rural, um, it's a police department that's heavily underfunded. And the thing is, you have a police department that not only has to deal with just kind of the local crime. But Uvalde is known for having the drug smugglers run through their town. So, you know, when we're down in Eagle Pass and we're covering their border issues, they have the issue of, you know, family units turning themselves in. That's not the case in Uvalde. They actually have actual drug smugglers running through. So you have Border Patrol and law enforcement always having their tie- their hands tied with resources, dealing with that. Um, right. But like like you said, Bryce, this is this is such a big story. And every single day we're learning more information as, as more unfolds. So I, I'll be... You know, glad to come back on and
0: give give the audience a full update as as the story just continues to unravel. Yeah, well, we we love and appreciate you. I mean, you, you know, uh, for for uh, the audience that uh, does not know you, I mean, you were you were one of the key guys in getting footage during the riots, and you know, you've put yourself at at you know, kind of great risk, uh, you know, uh, in. Uh, your investigations down on the border and everything else that you've been doing. It's, it's your kind of guerrilla journalism and, and your bravery that uh, just really speaks volumes. And, and, you know, it's why we, we, we love you and we support you. And, and so, yeah, thank you for you know spending this time. Cause I know how busy you are.
1: Thanks so much, Bryce.
0: Yeah. So um, in, in your thoughts and, you know, I, I would love to get your thoughts um you know, with respect to um, and, and this is a little bit of a dialogue for the audience about what we're seeing with these active shooters. I, I um, I'm sure you just saw that we had another one that's being reported out of Tulsa, um, yeah. Oklahoma, and uh, and it seems to be uh, at a hospital. And, you know, some of the details of this thing, again, you know, these things are, are foggy until we learn more. Um, but, but another active shooter just happened. Uh, you know, we had Buffalo a few weeks ago and, you know, the, um, reactions of course are, it's about guns. The reactions of course are, um, you know, uh, political in nature. Um, you know, that's why I read that, um, you know, quote from Rob, which I'll continue to read when we talk about these things. Um, but, but what, you know, what are your thoughts about the reaction and, you know, where where are you coming from as a journalist on those things?
1: You know, I think for me, Bryce, it's 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 uh, it's disappointing to like how you said earlier, where something like this happens, and everyone in their right mind thinks they need to have a hot take or have this, you know, they need to push agenda for their for their political.
0: Yeah. Oh no, we lost um, them. The, oh, these lost. people are- Hey, we, we lost you for a second, and we'll uh, we can edit that. But uh, but you you uh, go back to where you're talking about the uh, everybody needing a hot take.
1: Yeah, you know everyone is, is needing this kind of hot take for their uh, political party. I think people forget that at the end of the day, people are just human beings on the ground. Let people heal and grieve, and let yeah. them kind. of, be together with their families and mourn before we get into this politicizing every single event i just think we need to go back to being human beings i think what i did like though bryce being down there was um texans all across came down there i mean prayer groups all over even from mexico crossed over and you Amen. really saw the power of community um so i just want to remind the audience that look i know this is horrible but you know just give it a pause before you you need to have a hot take think about the families first you know, like Amen. I said, until 1 or 2 in the morning, majority of those parents barely found out that the children are are, are deceased because of how gruesome the act was. They're not going to have an open casket. I mean, this is very sad stuff. I think one of the things that broke my heart, Bryce, was when I, when I was at the vigil, and the little uh, 10-year-old boy, his name is Rogaligo Torres, on his cross, he had a classmate right on it, and he said, you were a good friend. And it was spelled wrong. Oh I mean, it just— these were little little kids here uh we're talking about the most innocent of 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 our community so i just you know one reminder one just be a human first i do want to say Bryce, um there has there's certain trend in this country right now with the when we have men who do not have a mission do not have god and do not have family they get lost into drugs opioids and they they display this type of behavior when they fall in these dark holes so i think it's a i think we need to have a conversation that young men need to have a mission in his life they need to have a mission statement they need to know that they they need a sacrifice for something greater than them greater for their family or community when men don't have that i think we see this kind of dark behavior
0: yeah no there's a there's a real Sickness of the heart and a sickness of the soul uh, of our country right now, and it is led by, you know, men who don't have a purpose. Um, I, I've said this on this show several times because we, you know, we've we've talked, um, you know, not about this shooting specifically, but I've referred to it um, a few times. But ninety-eight um, percent of active shooters have a father who is absent from the home, a fatherless home, or um, they're on, under the influence of SSRIs, so psych meds, um, you know, drugs, all of that stuff are involved in these things. And, uh, um, you know, that goes to, to point to that sickness of the soul. Um, so you... You're absolutely right on that, and one of the things that we don't do well in our culture, and I think this is where it gets political and everybody um, goes nuts, is we we don't define what the problems are, right? And if you don't properly define a problem, you cannot solve it, and uh, and you know the problems are not the tools; the problems are you know, not the laws, because, you know, obviously it's illegal to do these things. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be solved by um, more laws. It's only going to be solved by, um, you know, returning back to values, returning back to, to God and Christ and you, know, and, you know, restoring your fathers in these homes. All of that is how we get back to, um, you know, solving these things.
1: And right there, Bryce, I think you you couldn't have said any 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 better. And I think uh, as a society, we need to address that again. Um, I actually interviewed one uh, local, Bryce, that told me that when she looked at the shooter, you know, throughout the community, that he just screamed that he needed God in a church, but she never intervened. And, you know, now she obviously regrets that. But uh, it's something that I think as a society, we need to start talking about again.
0: Yeah, and well and it, it the other uh tragic thing about this is um and and I'll um I had a uh and maybe this is a you know silly example but um for you know every time you uh, have a uh you know horrific dog mauling incident, you know people come out and uh, you know afterwards they're like, "Oh yeah, this dog bit this person, bit this person, bit this person, bit this person." And you know, the uh, uh, there's this history of, you know, terrible behavior, evidence that, you know, never got followed up on or, you know, never got looked at. And it's almost always the same about these active shooters. You know, there have been, you know, miles of warnings. Um, you know, I understand that this, you know, uh, kid, you know, had a bag of dead cats and, uh, you know, had, had threatened years before uh, that, you know, said and announced that he was going to do this when he graduated. You know, things things like that were, were warnings that existing laws could have addressed um, and it, people in the community could have addressed but didn't. What, what's your thoughts on that?
1: No, I think that's exactly what, what what happened. I mean, everyone that I spoke to, the red flags were always there. People knew that he abused animals. I mean, that's a huge key. And these serial killers, it's, you know, they don't just wake up when they say, "I'm gonna shoot up a school." It's it's the little things first. They inflict pain on the animals and then on their own family members, and it starts to it starts to increase. Another key thing here, um, uh, Bryce, is that he went on Facebook and posted. I'm going to shoot up in elementary school 15 minutes before doing it. I mean, you and I know that if I said anything about the vaccine or an election on Facebook, it gets flagged in milliseconds. So you couldn't flag this down and, and, yeah. and contact authorities before that. I, I, I don't believe that.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point because, yeah, I mean, uh, anything we post on social media that's of a, you know, conservative nature that goes against the, um, you know, prevailing narrative. I mean, it's, yeah, virtually instantly caught um, and, you know, we're instantly, um, you know, banned or locked out of our accounts. Um, you would think that applying the same kind of tools to that, you know, they could rout out, um, you know, people like this.
1: Yeah, so Facebook, I think, uh, should also be kind of held accountable because they're, like I said, they're quick to to take on anything else. Uh, But the shooter put that information out. I think another key detail for just the audience, really quick, is that you know Ramos was outside for a whole 12 minutes. The shooter was outside for a whole 12 minutes before entering uh, Rob Elementary School. So that's also a key, you know, key. I mean, 12 minutes in a shooting is essentially an eternity of time. Yeah. Um, So I think that's important for the audience to know as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, twelve minutes in any kind of fight uh, or violent encounter of any kind is is yeah, uh, a, an eternity. Um, was uh, where was there truth um, or uh, any evidence to you know the that side door being unlocked? I mean, what was you know, is there uh, you know what was the truth around that and how he gained access to the school or or any any perspective do you have on? security of the school and you know how the the building was structured any thoughts there
1: so that the, the door that the shooter went through um, the first information that came out from uh, law enforcement that it was propped open we now know that that's not true um, a, a teacher left it unlocked but it was closed um, so we'll see if, if information comes out on the teacher um, the campus resource officer never engaged with the shooter. He actually drove past the car uh, when, when the shooter crashed it, so he actually drove right past it and completely missed the shooter. Um, so I think that's also in, in important, to, uh, important to know. I think going forward, um, I think we'll probably have legislation introduced where we're going to maybe have armed security outside of public schools going forward. I'm, I'm not sure. that there's, there's even talk that they might demolish uh, Rob Elementary School going forward. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep tuned on that. Um, Bryce, I do have to I have to get out of here because I'm speaking at a political conference today, so I have to get out of here. But I would love, um, I could come on any other time and we could really do a full hour breakdown of, of everything. Yeah. Like I said, every single day we're getting even more new details of the whole story regarding what happened on May 24th.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it, and yeah, thank you for just giving us this uh, this amount of time because yeah, I know how uh, how busy you are. Well, listen, I'll let you get to that next one, and um, keep up the good work, and and uh, yeah, keep us updated, and let me know when you've got more, and and yeah, let's uh, let's keep breaking it down.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much, Bryce.
0: All right, thank you, brother. All right, well, thank you, folks. Um, again, those are difficult conversations to talk about, and you know what a horrific and tragic. Situation: the those folks, um, you know, in Texas need prayer. Uh, those families are are hurting. Like uh, you know, gosh, many of us will never ever understand. Um, and I and I really do pray for that. But keep them in your prayer and um, uh, keep the. Uh, you know folks that are trying to do evil uh by politicizing these situations um you know keep keep them in your prayer too because it is uh it is an evil and wicked thing to to capitalize on this stuff so um with that thank you and uh, uh appreciate you joining us for this episode good night